I am super excited about this conversation again around professional development and growth. You know, based on our employee engagement survey and feedback, we know that this is a hot topic for a lot of employees within the company. And super excited to have three people here who have been uh, successful at sort of navigating their career in the industry, growing their career, also opening doors for others and mentoring others. These are three individuals who are highly respected in the space for the work that they do. And also because they're just all around really good human beings, which is super important as well, too. And so with that said, let's go ahead and get into some introductions of each of the panelists. And then we will start with the questions. And Stephanie, you want to go first? I would love to. So hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Gino. I am also in the B2B marketing technology space. So uh, I currently serve as the Senior Vice President overseeing global marketing at Innovid. For those of you who aren't familiar with us, we are in the ad tech space. We offer dynamic creative, ad serving, as well as advanced measurement across all things display, video, and streaming. Very much excited to be here today, share a little bit more about me, my background, my past, and, and how I've gotten to where I am. So thanks for joining and thanks for having me. Thanks, Stephanie. Alicia, you want to go next? Or thank you guys for having me. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. The famous line that we're hearing these days. Uh, my name is Alicia Ray. I'm based out of New York. I uh, work for Freewheel, another ad tech company, B2B vendor in the space as well. Also the founder of Black, the, the ad tech collective, where I'm just responsible for, not even responsible. My mission is to connect everyone in the ad tech space to continue to advance um, in whatever way that's meaningful to them. Super excited to be here. And thank you again for the invitation. Awesome. Thank you. And Dennis. Hey, guys. Um, my name is Dennis Cologne. I'm currently the global head of operations for Super Awesome, a company by Epic Games. So essentially what my company does is, you know, we tend to say we make the internet safe for kids. But essentially what we do is we make an environment safe for brands to advertise to kids. So we essentially make sure that kids aren't tracked. All ads follow global requirements. And I've been in the advertising business since 1998. So I've been around a lot. I've grown up in this industry. I love it. And anything I can do to share and, you know, push things forward, I'm always eager to do. So I'm super happy to be here today. And as everyone can see, Dennis's sneaker collection rivals, rivals John Beck's uh, collection as well. Too. I destroy John Beck's <laughs> <laughs> collection. <laughs> Awesome. Again, thank you all three of you for being here. And let's get into, again, the discussion around professional development and growth. The first topic I, I want to get into is sort of taking your career into your own hands and really controlling your own destiny. A piece of advice that someone gave me a long time ago was to think about where you want your career to go. Look at someone who you highly respect that is in a position that you want to be in and look at what they did to sort of get to that position. And curious to know from each of you, Alicia, I'll start with you in terms of what tactics have you taken throughout your career to get to the next step, to get that next promotion or get that next job? 
Yeah, no. Oh my God. It's been a ride, a fun one at that, but certainly one with a lot of sacrifice. So I left it all behind, to be quite honest with you. I got in ad tech by accident. I was that person. And much like a lot of New Yorkers, I moved with $75 and a suitcase and I came (laughs) here and I figured it out. But no, it was important for me to be closer to the gatekeepers. And I knew that right out of college that if I wanted to actually immerse myself into the industry, I needed to leave Miami, Florida. And so I did. I came here and I got my first job on Craigslist. I took a leap of faith and I sacrificed everything I had at 20. You know, you have, you have a lot of assets at 20. Left it all behind and I, I came here and I really spent a lot of my time just getting to know people. I'm an introvert, believe it or not. So I spent a lot of time networking and through those experiences, I also started volunteering a lot. It's how I met my husband and it's how I've gotten every single opportunity up until today. And so my principle is what are you willing to give to get? There was a lot of giving that happened, right? Within the first, I would say three or four years that I got here, I almost did not make it and almost went back home, but I was determined to figure it out. And so for me, it was just important to Also be open. I have a fine arts and graphic design background. Never would have imagined that I would have been in ad tech, yet alone in product, yet alone in marketing. But for me, someone literally said, here's an opportunity. What do you think about it? And I'm like, I'm a fast learner, I guess. But it was through the passion that I've had for other things that were in the creative space and within marketing, with advertising, where I literally stepped out with an open mind and really just focused on you know, just the the future ahead, not even in the moment. I knew where I wanted to go and I'm still on that journey. But for me, again, it was just being open, being willing to make sacrifices and being willing to talk to people and accept the challenge. Gotcha. Thank you for that. And Dennis, a very similar question to you. And, you know, prior to, to Super Awesome, you worked for some pretty big brands in our space at Condé and CBSI slash Viacom. And would love to hear from you and sort of some of the the tactics that you've taken throughout your career, really to sort of navigate and grow in some pretty large organizations. Yeah. Um, so many moons ago when I started, you know, it was a unique position that I think is very different than today in that I started out as an ad ops trafficker and they were defining what that was. So it was in very early stages. And when things are, you know, in the early stages, there's very little attention sometimes given to them and those tasks or those jobs. So when I started in the business, I quickly realized that, that, you know, they weren't paying attention to this role. They weren't doing things, but I saw the, the future, you know, it's advertising, it's revenue based. So I literally volunteered to take on every single project, every single task that, that was, you know, thrown out there to the company. This was at Condé Nast and. Essentially, I just raised my hand and I learned how to build ads. I raised my hand and I taught myself how to tag pages and implement ad servers where I was literally sometimes working 48 hours, you know, to, to complete a task that now I have whole departments, you know, kind of doing. So I took it upon myself to kind of do that. And I was in a unique position transitioning from a different career. I used to sell zinc for a mining company and I was newly married. I was trying to make some money. I come from, you know, very poor background, trying to take care of my family. And I was just taking jobs to be like, if you pay me more, I'll do all this for you. So I tried to just really take on things. And then eventually I mastered those tasks. And 
stop waiting for them to define the role and the department and the group. And I decided to define that based on what I had just gone through. And I eventually, like, I developed advertising operations, revenue operations, programmatic sales at County NAS, taking that model where I don't want anyone on my team when I became a manager to do something that I wouldn't do. So I led by example and I took on those, those different tasks and I developed all these organizations within Conde and eventually moved over to CBS because of what I accomplished at Conde Nast and also the fact that I was able to bring different businesses together, you know, trying to listen to folks, not having any predisposed opinions about, you know, how do we take things? How do we change and grow? And I listened to the people who I worked with and all those things kind of helped me, you know, succeed and get to where I'm at. Gotcha. Gotcha. And Stephanie, so Alicia talked about looking at doors that are opened and, and walking through them. Dennis talked about sort of carving out your own space and, and really creating a position for yourself. When you were on my podcast last year, you told the story about, you know, when you see a, a door open, it's your responsibility. It's up to you to walk through that door, right? Yeah. To grow your career. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, when Dennis was talking, just the, the whole concept of hand raising really resonates with me. I will tell you, I think one of the hardest things to this day that I have done is figure out what my end goal is. And so I always tell people now, I have a mentee that I work with at Innovid, you know, at the end of the day, like, what's the destination? Where do you want to get to? Don't think about what you believe is the logical next step in your career. What's the end goal, right? When you retire, what's the job you want to be retiring from? And for me, it was really about defining what is that end goal, because once you know the destination, then you can be much more purposeful and much more intentional about how you get there. I took a very non-traditional or non-linear path in my career. I came up through the agency world. I started on the media uh, side of the agency world, moved over to creative. And throughout the course of, of that run, I have been in sales. I have been in product management. I have been in client services. And for me, it was a matter of saying, okay, at the end of the day, I want to be the general manager. I want to be in charge of everything, right? I want to be running the whole company. And so I looked at the job description for the job that I wanted to have. And I realized, you know, I'm doing very well in sales. This is a career path in and of itself, but is this the end goal for me? And it wasn't. So I've made lateral moves in my career. There have been times where I've taken pay cuts in my career because I wanted to make sure that when I eventually went for that job that I wanted, that I could look at that application, I could look at that, that job description and be able to say with confidence and with specificity, I have run a PML, I have increased revenue, I have commercialized and launched products that have delivered X, Y, and Z for a company. And so, you know, I do think sometimes we think about, okay, I'm an associate manager. How do I get to manage? How do I get to senior manager? And you're always thinking about how do I get to that next logical step? For me, I actually did the complete opposite. I had multiple individual contributor roles. And then I made a big leap and you know went from being a group director overseeing client services to moving into a senior vice president role at one of the, the largest agencies in the world, which is Starcom Media Bus Group. So I think it's, it's really just like, what's the end goal? 
and what do I need to accomplish to get there and being purposeful about the job versus purposeful about the next promotion. And a a follow-up question to that, because I I think, you know, everyone, as you're going through your career journey, right, you have to be self-aware, right? And you have to be self-aware of your strengths as well as your weaknesses. So Stephanie, as you're sort of going through that process of figuring out, you know, the next move for you or trying to go through a door that you saw that was open, how did you go about maybe recognizing an area where you were weak at and needed to improve? And then how did you improve? Yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of it was, I did not have a background in advertising technology or media or any of the environments that I've worked in throughout my career. I did know I wanted to be in advertising. I I think I'm one of the few people I know that actually got a degree in the field in which I work. But that, you know, marketing is very big. It's very wide. It's very open. So, you know, my first opportunity when I got out of college, you know, I moved to Chicago because your big markets are New York, LA and Chicago. And I was like, I'm going to go to Chicago. I'm going to get my job. Uh, I think inevitably my resume ended up being one of hundreds in a stack. And so I was not able to break into advertising when I first moved to Chicago. Right out of college, I actually got a job bartending. And it was through one of my bar regulars that I finally got introduced and got my foot in the door at an agency, which is how I I got my start. But really, you know, it was... I started in sales. And I think that that has helped me a lot. Because when you're in sales, you are required to understand the audiences of the company, you're required to understand the solutions of the company, you have to really dig into value and benefits. And so it was a great way for me to start because it gave me a wide purview and a wide perspective on everything that goes into being in the advertising industry. And from there, you know, I started in sales, I progressed within sales. And what I started to realize and understand as I was out there meeting with clients and having conversations with them was that there was only so much that we could affect through what we were doing. So the agency I started out at was Performix. At the time, they were focused on search engine marketing. right? And so for those of you familiar with search engine marketing, there's only so much you can do. right? You can change the keywords that you're bidding. You can change the copy in the ad. You can change the landing pages that you're sending people to. But at the end of the day, when you're talking to a marketer who's saying, your job is to drive revenue for my company, what I realized is there's only so many levers we can pull based on the scope right now. So I saw that as an opportunity to say, Hey, client, if your end goal is really to drive revenue, right now I'm picking the best of what you have, but there's a better path and there's a better option. And let me create a custom landing page and a custom experience that will allow me to take the traffic I'm sending to your website and do a better job of converting it. Ultimately, that will drive greater impact for your business. So that was actually how I left sales and moved into product because I sold that idea up the ladder. And they were like, wow, this is great. This makes a ton of sense. So then I moved into the product management team at the company and oversaw the commercialization and the development and launch of the landing page design and testing practice. So I think it's about as much as possible gaining perspective across the business. One of the things I always talk to my team about is, yes, raising your hand, but also don't be afraid to step on toes. If you see a gap, if you see an unmet need, vocalize that and raise your hand, right? Even if it's not your job, like my job was not product. That had nothing to do with what I was doing in sales. But I said, hey, we have clients. This is something that is 
very highly correlated to what we do. I think we have a right to play here. And I would like to be the one to lead the charge. And because it was my idea, because I brought it to the table, I stepped outside my lane and I was given an opportunity to to bring a new and huge practice to the company. Love it. Love it. Alicia, building on on top of that, obviously, if you want to grow your career, if you want to move into a senior position, executive position, uh, this is not a nine to five industry, right? And I think Stephanie was explaining some of that and what she was saying. And so building on top of that, what are some of the things that you do in your own time to help in your professional development and growth? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I do the most is what I do. Um, but it does pay <laughs> off in the end. So I think for me, just even growing up, I hated writing. It was one of those skills that I knew I needed to develop, but I got away with it because I always classified myself as a visual artist, right? Like I'm a visual learner. I communicate visually. And so I just never had to be bothered with writing. But probably very early in my career, I knew that writing was a muscle that I had to flex in order to be successful. And um, it was one of those things where I avoided it at all costs, but I got to a point where I could no longer avoid it. And I, I really needed to beef up my writing skills and use that to continue to drive success within my organization, my respected organization at the time and things that I wanted to do outside of the organization. So I was that person that started a million blogs. Um, and this was when blogs were kind of a thing where Everyone would have like a WordPress or, you know, um, a Tumblr account. And so I, I started writing. And over the course of time, I realized, gosh, it's not that bad after all. And so <laughs> <laughs> I started a, a bunch of different things. Black-owned Long Island, which is just featuring Black businesses out here on Long Island where I live and literally just writing a bunch of blogs, probably three blogs a week. And now I bang them out in five to 10 minutes, spell check and move on with my life. The Ad Tech Collective, which I mentioned before, another kind of like online platform where I'm connecting kind of gatekeepers and people who want to be a part of our industry. And a lot of that is done through written and verbal communication. Even in my respected organization, um, we talk about hand raising and then finding the opportunity and seizing the moment. One of the things that I've realized in ad tech, we do a really bad job of documenting things, right? It's like everyone has their ideas locked up in their head. Everyone understands how a product works from their perspective, but no one's really documenting this information. So when I was over at AT&T as a product marketing manager, I raised my hand and I'm like, I'm going to build out an intranet. And my manager is like, why would you want to do that? And I'm like, because information is scattered across our organization. I think we can accelerate faster if we all had a single source of truth, rather. So I started writing technical documents within my organization. I started writing blog posts in the voice of my executives. And it really took off. And so for me, over time, I've been able to also get into a more senior position because I'm able to communicate effectively. I'm able to sell an idea, both with my written and verbal skills, skills that I had to develop over time, skills that I previously abandoned because I didn't think they were important. And so for me, a lot of beautiful things have come from that, um, both within my, my organization. I'm building out another intranet right now at Comcast <laughs> it's because I have the framework. So let's do it together. And even with some of the things that I'm working on outside of the organization, a lot of it is really built on communicating, right? And communicating to a specific audience. But I had to take a step back and recognize that this was an area that I, I wasn't very strong in because I didn't invest the time. And now I can say, probably can write in my sleep, and which is, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. And Dennis, I want to sort of build on top of what uh, Stephanie and Alicia were talking about in terms of, you know, advancing your career. 
I think we can all agree that building your network is super important and having a strong network is super important. I like to tell people that, you know, your next job isn't going to come from filling out an application on somebody's website. It's more likely going to come from your network. And can you talk about that importance and and how you go about sort of networking, especially now since we've all been home for coming up on 12 months? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's really difficult to network now, but there are ways, right, that are developing. But to take a step back, when it comes to networking, you know, my approach I am not someone who's very social. I I tend to be quiet unless I have to. And my approach to networking is I'm not looking to get something from individuals that I I meet unless I'm learning something, but I want to see what I can do to help. You know, taking a partnership, publishers are known to be very difficult with ad tech vendors and, and providers. And one of the things I've established and what I do is I look to partner with ad tech and other, even other publishers that are competitors to develop our industry, de- develop our ecosystem. And that's how I start networking where there's a mutual respect. So most of the ad tech companies I've worked with, I'm very close to senior level, junior level individuals because I've reached out to them to learn, to help and kind of mutually take our business forward. And that's the kind of approach I've always taken to networking. You know, you want to learn, you want to get something out of it. But my goal is to kind of see where I can help, see what information I could provide or what we can learn together and develop. There are many, many ad tech companies that I like beta, you know, basically like understanding what they're doing, like like Moat, for instance, like viewability. You know, I, I beta pre-roll with some of the early adopters just because I was like, that's cool. It's a cool idea. I want to learn more. Let's see what we can do mutually. You know, and that's the approach I take. And then after a while, you know, you end up being that person. I was that guy from Condé Nast. Everybody talk about like, you know, the land dude from Condé Nast that looks different than anyone else who works there. And then eventually they're like, no, it's Dennis. And then your brand grows beyond the company you work for. for. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, then you become part of the industry. And now it's a case where you're just yourself. And you're part of the ecosystem. You're not representing anyone but but you and, and what you want to. And that's that's when the doors just start, you know, opening up. I don't think, yeah, in, in 20 plus years, I've never applied for a job. You know, so it works. There's mutual respect. And I think if you start that way, I think it's really easy to kind of overcome shyness, overcome being quiet, overcome the butterflies. And now what I'm doing is I'm just doing that at another level, reaching out to folks throughout the industry that I know, just checking in on them to make sure that they're okay, you know, really trying to help individuals who have lost their jobs, you know, or just that, that group, right? Like we, we call ourselves the 300, right? It's like the same 300 people you see in every conference. And it's just checking up on everyone and getting introduced to other people that may need help or they may be able to help you, but it's like just being open. And accepting of different technologies for business, but also different individuals. Gotcha. And I'm going to stay with you here for a second and and move Mm -hmm. to another topic, which is mentorship, right? And you are really big into mentorship. You mentor not only people in the industry, but you mentor high school kids as well, too. And so can you speak to why is that so important for you? Sure. It's a funny reason. So I've never had a mentor in my life. You know, um, I've never had a business mentor. I've had, you know, like my, my parents, you know, and I'm, I've made it 
a point to not allow the things that have potentially held me back or the things I've ever had to deal with happen to other individuals, right? My approach is I want people to go further and faster than ever, wherever I came from, wherever I reach. So I make it a point to kind of help individuals in the industry, whether it's to kind of help focus them, teach them about new, new features, new opportunities. And as I was doing that and I saw success, I was like, why not start even sooner? I wish I had someone in my neighborhood come by and say, Hey, there's this whole new potential avenue for you to explore that no one's talking about. It's right, you know, for, for anyone to kind of get involved. So I started talking to the high school I went to, some of the high schools in the area where I grew up. I grew up in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, Alphabet City. So, you know, I just started going to those places. And I will tell you, I've been on stage at Graphics High School with seven other executives. And the first statement I made, and it made me feel the best. It was just so heartwarming. I audience about 500 kids. And I'm like, hey, who's from the Lower East Side? You know, and a lot of the kids raised their hand. And I'm like, I'm from Campos Plaza, the project. And all these kids grew up where they grew up and everyone on stage, all these senior execs, and they were good people, but they were like California. They were, you know, from just different. I was them. And they got to real. I could see it in their eyes when they realized that guy's on the stage. And I, I had to end it by saying, and I'm the most senior person on the stage. Three of those guys work for me. <laughs> you know, like, I just feel like we need to help each other, you know, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, some people are proud, but I want everyone to have a mentor or a positive conversation with someone who's had some success because that just helps you. My mom used to always say when you have someone helping you or an experience, you just get a bit taller, you know, and my goal is to make everyone around me who sometimes isn't heard to feel a little taller, you know, and that's the goal. Awesome. Awesome. Stephanie, how about you? How do you go about mentoring others and, and why is that important for you? You know, it's, it's a combination of a couple of things. I try to think about how do I help individuals as well, as well as how do I advocate for the industry and the community at large. So it's a combination of speaking engagements, bylines, just, you know, using every platform I can possibly get access to, to advocate for equality and advocate for change. You know, I also very much believe in starting early. So, you know, throughout my career, I've always been, you know, one of, if not the only black face in leadership. And so I do think it's important for people that are up and coming, whether you're a woman, whether you're a man of color, whether you're a woman of color, to be able to see other people that look like you in positions of authority. There's a lot of conversation around imposter syndrome in the market, and it's it's a real thing. And I think it's important for people to feel represented, not only in the content that we see in our everyday lives and, and what we as marketers and advertisers are putting out into the universe, but also as it relates to internally within our organizations, the people that are leading the charge and leading change. So, you know, I'm in Denver now, but I was in Chicago for 13 years. And during my time at Chicago, was on the board of a nonprofit where it was really about how do we help to advocate for underrepresented youth? And we took 
took it a step further than a lot of other organizations. Yes, it was about providing financial aid and making sure that they had money to help support their college education. But we also paired every single one of our scholarship winners with a mentor. So I had the, the pleasure of being both the events chairman. So it was my job to make a lot of money so we could afford the scholarships. But then I also, throughout the course of that, of my time in Chicago, was able to mentor students, many of who were the first person in their family to ever go to college. And in many instances, were going to college environments where there were very few people that looked like them. So it was really just about providing that support and providing that guidance because the college experience is, is hard. It's tough. And not knowing anyone who's gone through that, I think, can be even more isolating and alienating than it can be on its own. So just being that sounding board, you know, taking them to lunch, talking to them on the phone, helping them think through how to prep for exams... And then, you know, when I moved to Denver, it's a little bit of a different dynamic here. This is a not a, a big city, but it's a very wide city. So the opportunity I saw when I came to Denver was to establish a women in technology group to really create connections across female leaders in the digital and technology space within Denver. So I launched the chapter of Embolden here. You know, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus because we're all home for the last 12 months. But it was really about, again, like, how do we create physical community and connections because out of every industry, I think this one is so, so, so relationship focused. And it's about how do you meet people? How do you engage with them? And how do you develop those meaningful connections? Because similar to Dennis, I have every job I've ever had in my career has been through a connection or a relationship. I've received job offers through the traditional submit a resume interview process, but every role I've accepted from the first to the current has been through some sort of a connection. So it is so important that you get out there, that you meet people and that you nurture those relationships. Yep. Love it. And when we first joined on this link, one thing that I was super proud to hear was Anquinette came on and she said, thank you to all three of you for adding her on LinkedIn. Because that's what it's about right there. When we meet people, let's let's stay connected and let's build those connections. So love it, love it, love it. What's the best piece of feedback you got from a manager that shifted your career? And then Alicia, we'll start with you. Oh boy. <laughs> that's an interesting one. So I would say that best piece of feedback that I've gotten from a manager that shifted my career was very simple. Go with your gut. Stephanie, you mentioned the imposter syndrome and how real that is for a lot of us, especially in organizations where you can't look across the room and see someone that either looks like you or feels like someone that's sitting across the table has your back, right? And so for me, when I was transitioning into a more senior role, I hesitated a lot of the decisions that I made, right? Like I'm a very data-driven person. Like I have to have the numbers and I have to have done my research to make an informed decision. And I was finding myself hitting a wall. Like I, I knew what I wanted to accomplish. I knew the answers to a lot of the questions, but for whatever reason, I literally stifled my own voice. I literally backed my own self in a corner and that slowed down my growth in some ways. And so it was very fortunate to have a manager who's also a sponsor and a coach who really invested a lot of time in me and actually tapped me from a few different organizations to come and work with her, which was a really exciting time in my career literally said, go with your gut. And in that moment, right? I'm sitting at home like, oh my God, my life's falling apart. I'm not as successful as I thought I was. When I started going with my gut and being confident in my ability to make informed decisions, things took off. And 
at any moment, this happens every day. It's like routine. I'm like, is this the right decision? Should I be doing this? Is this the right approach? Do I have all the right people engaged? And it's like, go with your gut and fail and fail fast. And so those are just some things that um, she's imparted into me, which I've, I think about on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, it's, it's been very helpful and go with your gut folks. Just, just go with your (laughs) gut. It's all there. You have the answers. And if you don't, Get the right people in the room to help you answer those questions. Dennis, you want to take a shot at answering the same question? Best piece of feedback you got from your manager? Sure. Shift your career? Sure. This one, it's kind of funny. Um, so I had a manager at Connie Nast who essentially, you know, moved into another division and a promotion. And as, as we were chatting, he actually told me that I should have been his boss because I was leading the group. I was doing all the work. And all those accomplishments were mine, you know, and he was like, you know, early on in the career, you want to get the job, you want to do well. He's like, you're at the point right now where you should be demanding that seat at the table because I'm going to tell you I, I'm successful because of you. And after that point, I never let that happen to me again. And I was extremely vocal and I was not even waiting for folks. I was building strategy decks on how the company was going to go, how things were going to happen. So it was kind of a backhanded compliment. You know, this person was moving on, but the last comment he made to me, he tried to make it a dig, but I took it as ammunition and incentivized me to be like, this is never going to happen again. And my career accelerated, you know, really as soon as that person left. And it wasn't because they left. It was because I took that to heart. I stopped trying to prove to myself that I knew what I was doing. You know, I knew for a fact that it was me. And you can get advice at any moment, any day. Like you can get some advice today that can change your whole career, no matter how senior or junior you are. And, you know, I had a really good manager at CBS, very senior person, the CRO, and working there for over a year, very successful, you know, and he was like, that's what I expected. And that was the advice or the comment that he gave that stuck with me, where in the past, my other job, I was surprised. But here's like, I expect your success. I expect you to do... That's why I hired you, because I saw that. you know. And to see those two comments is like, you know, it's like a, a journey for me, you know, where I'm no longer worried about you know, what I bring to the table. But those two things have stuck with me for a very long time for very different reasons. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you for that. Stephanie, another question here that I want to start off with you because you kind of alluded to this a little bit in your last answer, which is this is around code switching. And the question is code switching takes a psychological toll, but it feels like the necessary evil to fit in slash get ahead in my career. Any tips for being authentic while maintaining respect? And I want all three of you to answer this one. <laughs> we'll start with you, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. It's true. I think the authentic part of that question is the key here. You got to stay true to yourself and don't try to be someone you're not because it feels artificial to you. It feels artificial to the recipients. And ultimately, it's really not progressing or benefiting anyone. I will say, you know, I work at an Israeli company. Right. So I am working with people that are not only not people of color, but aren't even American. And so culturally, there's a lot that you could look at at face value to say, you know, 
there's nothing you people have in common, right? Like, how do you find common ground? But I'll say that I have been able to find common ground with with almost everyone I've worked with. And it's really just about figuring out what are those things like, while it may be very obvious what makes you different, what are the things that make you similar, right? Are you parents of young children? Do you have pets? Do you love basketball, right? You know, my head of engineering is obsessed with Star Wars. And I, I, you know, I've seen every single Star Wars movie multiple times. So it's just, it's figuring out like, what are those things that make you similar? And how can you create common ground to build rapport and build a connection without being inauthentic to yourself? And you know, again, like it's so easy sometimes and it's so obvious to say, here are the things that make us different. But if you just ask questions and listen, I'm so big on listening. I think it is one of the most important and most underrated skills in the entire universe. Just like listen and you'll pick up on things. And then from there, you can find, again, that common ground to build rapport. Thank you. Thank you for that. Alicia, how about you? Same question. Yeah, the code switching thing, it's its real. It's a real thing. And I didn't realize that I was even code switching until probably halfway through my career to date, where I was like, why am I straightening my hair again? Why am I showing up like this? Why am I trying to, you know, shop at this retail store versus this retail store? And so for me, I had to realize that whatever I did and however I showed up, I will always wanted to be perceived as professional, right? And however that's delivered, that that was important to me to just be myself, but also command that respect. So I would never do anything to to jeopardize that or change that perspective. However, I also to Stephanie's point realized that once I started to find the commonality, I no longer made myself feel like an outcast. And so I was inflicting that on myself. I don't think I've had anyone that ever told me you needed to be this way or you needed to show up in this space like this. And I think a lot of times that's self-inflicted, right? And maybe, you know, being at odds with ourselves. And so for me, it was important to be a little bit more self-aware, recognize that I needed to be true to myself in order to be successful, in order to make progress, in order to develop those authentic relationships because sometimes relationships can be transactional, right? But for the most part, if they're going to be, I would say, you know, just like important relationships or positive relationships, it's important that you show up as yourself and, you know, build those relationships, find those commonalities and, and rid yourself of all of the, I guess, standards that society has set for how we show up in corporate America. And look, the landscape is changing. If COVID-19 has not taught us anything, it taught us to just take it easy, show up and be yourself. I hope no one's getting extra dressed up and feeling like they have to be this other person in this newfound world. And I think if, if we're not learning anything, it's really just show up and be yourself and do great work. And that's what's important. Love it. Love it. Dennis, how about you? Yeah, no, that's something to struggle with like all the time, right? Because it's it's not about most of the time how you feel is how people perceive you. And that's the main concern. For me, I... I've always been myself, like whether it's been a negative thing for me in my career or not. I changed the dress code at Condé Nast and CBS because I refuse to follow those parameters of a costume or a uniform that you have to wear. I was in my own work speech for itself. And it could be hard to do that. But, you know, like I, I've always done that. I've done that throughout my life. Growing up, I tend to like things that were different. So I had that like, kind of built in. The one thing, you know, that you realize too is sometimes if you have that strong presence you're yourself individuals feel more comfortable around you to be themselves mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so I, like i try to be very aware of that 
you know, I do this and I dress the way I dress. I speak the way I speak to make other people feel comfortable to do that. Not comfortable with what I'm saying, but comfortable to be themselves in their own shoes. And I think that's the most important thing at work. And the other piece is you do have to manage yourself. Like for me, the way I code switch is I temper my passion. I temper, and I say passion, it's just the fire I have. You know, it's just sometimes at work, other individuals who look different, you know, have fire and they call it passion. But for you, they call HR. You know what I mean? So I've tried to temper my passion, but not extinguish it. You know, mm. so it's managing, you know, to get your point across, you know, but you shouldn't have to change the way you speak, the way you carry yourself. That's your core. That's what they hired. They hired you as an individual. They didn't hire you for the 80% of you. They hired you as an individual. Show them, show them because your goal should be when you leave that organization, there's four more people that look like you or have the same type of mannerisms or come from the same areas. Like that's, that's always my goal is like, you know, to make them comfortable with who I am and be who I am no matter what, because that's going to help someone else come out of their shell or stop faking jacks, or it's going to help someone really understand and take a chance on someone. Mm. So mm. very important. Love it. Love it, Dennis. I feel like we could probably talk for four more hours, but we are at the top of the hour. So uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to end it right here. But Stephanie, Alicia, Dennis, I want to thank you all very much for, for joining us. I know that this was super impactful for the company. And thank you for sharing your experiences with us. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone.